1: Shame is.
2: coming of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, God. I stand by faith that you will send the Comforter and that he will accomplish all that you desire, that he will lift up the name of Jesus and cause his name to be glorified in our midst. that you will cause us to testify that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, mighty God. I pray in your name. Amen. I attended a worship service. We came to the time in the service where they traditionally do a children's story. They invited the children to all come forward and have their seat. The pastor came with his flashlight in order to talk with the children about what a flashlight does. They explained to the pastor that the flashlight dispels the darkness and that you can read with it under your covers. Then he brought the word of God out and said, there's this passage of scripture, and he quoted it. But the Lord said, the word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. And he said, God's word is a flashlight. Well, I was cheering him on. I was saying, preach it. But then he suddenly turned it and he said, I know none of you came forward to listen to me. I know you didn't come because I had something to say to you. Instead, I know you came for your lollipop. And he went and got a basket of lollipops and gave each child a lollipop. And the children scurried off happy and everybody in the congregation smiled at the antics of the children as they got their lollipops. (coughs) I said, Lord, that's a lollipop church. As I listened to the rest of the service, I saw that the adults all received their lollipop too. A wonderful message of encouragement. You can trust God no matter what the circumstances. He loves you. He's going to settle the storm in your life. He's got everything under his control. All you have to do is trust him and everything will be okay. So everybody went out with their happy lollipop to live once more their worldly lives. I opened this message to you with this story to simply tell you, I don't have any lollipops for you today. That's not why we came here. Do you think that these children don't have all the candy they want to eat from mommy and daddy? They probably have too much candy already. So for them, it was a very casual thing. I'm going to pick up another lollipop. They probably had 10 already in their pocket. While well, the adults, all week long, have been watching the television and, and reading their novels and diving into the world and eating the food of the world. So they've been satiating themselves with sugar all week long. So they came to church and just messed up their diabetes. They just got another shot of sugar. So today, I promise you, no sugar. I want to give you today solid meat. I want to give you red meat. I want to give you steak. Something you can sink your teeth into and something that will give you indigestion if you're only accustomed to milk. Let's begin in John, the 15th chapter. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. You cannot be a friend of Jesus Christ and live a worldly life. And we've come to a point in the, in the life of the National Prayer Chapel where we must begin a very deliberate process of laying down all sin and walking out of it. So today, if in your life, in any area, there is known rebellion against God, it is time to lay that down regardless of what it costs you financially or emotionally or socially. It's time to lay it down. We're coming to a very close place in the spirit of the living God. The spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit Not the accommodating spirit. He is not the happy lollipop spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. And so he calls us to come into his presence because he intends to come and change what's happening in our midst. And nothing will be the same when he's finished our well-ordered church service will be quite disrupted. You won't recognize what God is doing. So as you prepare in your heart for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the first step is reformation to live a reformed life by the blood of Jesus Christ and any area of question or of sin to be laid aside, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. So we're not the servants of Christ from his viewpoint, we are rather his friends because we have entered into the reformation he's called us to, to leave all sin behind and to walk in righteousness. Now, this requires more than simply a passive walking through our lives. And I recognize we are all Americans. It is almost impossible for an American to enter into the kingdom of God. We have been so conditioned by every philosophy of the world that is floating around about us. We even get caught in foolish Gnostic theology. Gnostics have been a pain in the side of God's church from the very beginning. This wicked belief that my spirit can be saved and can be righteous while my soul can be filthy and dirty is straight Gnostic theology. Your spirit cannot be saved separate from your soul. But the Gnostics teach us that there is a division between the soul and the spirit in such a manner that the spirit can be made righteous while the soul remains wicked. That's New Testament Gnostic heresy. And yet it's a very popular belief today because we have accommodated the theology that teaches That Jesus at the cross finished everything, that he forgave me for all my past, present, and future sins, and so now I'm on my way to heaven, even though I am unrighteous because I am covered by the blood of Jesus and I am now made whole. I am made, I am declared righteous. That's simply another version of Gnostic theology. It's not the gospel of scripture, it's the gospel of America. And we have poured our filth out into every ministry area around the world, and we have corrupted millions of people who had no sophistication. They thought the Western man knew it all. We have to come back and understand what the scriptures teach about righteousness. And understand that we can't walk like the world walks. And we can't take these theologies from this place and that place. And say, oh, I'm going to live by that from now on. He goes on. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And this is my command. Love each other. So there's a place now where he's saying that love is the fulfillment of the gospel. That when righteousness begins to flow from my life, it will be marked by compassionate love for another human being. It will not be selfish, self-centered, turned-in-on-my-self love. It will be love that reaches out. Righteousness is the fruit that the Lord God of heaven is asking for. And as this fruit is birthed in our lives as a free gift from Jesus, it's marked by love. He continues, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. If unrighteous people love you, there's something wrong. If unrighteous people find fellowship with you and see no difference between your life and their life and think you're like them, there's something desperately wrong in your heart. For Jesus said, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. I've chosen you out of the world. Now, it's interesting. He's getting ready to tell us about the coming of the Holy Spirit. You would think he would not be talking about these subjects. But this is what he wants to talk about before he then shares what the Holy Spirit's going to do when he comes. You know, I was raised in an atmosphere that said when the Holy Spirit comes, that's when thrills and chills come that's when the glory of God comes and that's when everybody's out on the floor and, and it's wonderful and exciting and, and crowds of people come and the church grows and everything oh, oh. some are even saying that's when the gold dust starts to fall from the ceiling and your teeth suddenly are transformed into your fillings are changed into gold no, that's Baal worship That's not the worship of the Almighty. Understand, Jesus is just now, prior to his death on the cross, and he's giving to us the treasures of his soul. He's pouring out his soul to us in preparation for telling us that he's going to send us the Holy Ghost. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they'll obey yours also. So he's talking about us being so much one with Jesus that they can't tell the difference between our words and the words of Jesus. Verse 25, but this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. And now he's ready to talk about the counselor. The coming of the Holy Spirit. This is John 15, verse 26. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify. So first he's told us we're going to bear fruit. The fruit of righteousness we're going to bear. And a part of that bearing of the fruit of righteousness is going to be a testimony that we bear before the world, before our family, before the people we work with, the people we walk in the world with. We're not going to walk as invisible closet people in the kingdom of God. There's no closet for the followers of Jesus Christ. I've been in meetings where pastors have said, please, everybody's head bowed, all the eyes closed. Now, if there's anybody here who would like to receive Jesus, please raise your hand. No, we do it another way. Heads up, everybody. Watch. Is there anybody who chooses to follow Jesus? This is public. This is not some private little decision between you and a secret friend. This is upfront, public, raw, unvarnished. It's giving up your life to follow Jesus Christ. It's going to the cross where he was hung naked high on that cross. And we're not going to be crucified in secret, it's going to be public. For every eye to see a change, a transformation in our lives. We're not the same people anymore. We don't love the same movies. We don't go to the same places, the clubs. We don't go where we used to go. We don't do what we used to do. The whole world knows this is something new, changed by the power of God. And we bear testimony that Jesus is the righteous one. Some of you are still having difficulty in your spiritual walk because you refuse to apply the simple principle of confessing Jesus publicly. Until you're willing to confess Jesus publicly, you will have no power and victory over sin in your life. This is not private. This is public And the testimony has to be public. Some of you want to leave this house and go back to your hidey cave of sin with your worldly friends. You can't do that. Not and be a Christian. We walk with Jesus. Chapter 16. All this I've told you so that you will not go astray. So Jesus is giving us all this material in the 15th chapter. And and just review with me verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So a person who does not bear the fruit of righteousness, but who loves the fellowship of the saints who loves the fellowship of the body of Christ but chooses to privately and personally bear no righteousness as fruit, that person will be cut off and placed in a pile of other branches who all think they're very religious because they still have a little bit of the sap of Christ in them. They think they're, they're somewhere on the way to heaven but they refuse to bear the burden and hardship of the discipline of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so they're cut off. And those who are not cut off are pruned. So it's either being cut off or being pruned. It's being cut back or cut off. And the Lord has said to me, you're too big, Ray. Well, I know what he means. He means there's too much foliage in my life. He doesn't like leaves without fruit. So he trims off the foliage. Everything that would appear to be show, he wants cut off. He wants the fruit of righteousness born. So he's saying, I've told you all of this so you won't go astray. So you won't leave the path, the narrow path he's described for us. He says they're going to put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. (laughs) Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, I'm going to straighten you out, brother. And they think they're doing God a great service. If that hasn't happened to you, I hope it does soon. I hope your life is salty enough that you cause somebody to be uncomfortable. Amen. Now he's ready to talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me where are you going because I've said these things. You're filled with grief. Oh, the first thing the Lord wants to say to us when he talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the first thing he wants to say to us is, don't get caught in your feelings. Getting caught in our feelings will block the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Our stand is on the blood of Jesus by faith in that blood. And our feelings will not turn us aside. This morning, Jan was very sick. I knew it was an attack from the devil. I knew because it only happens on Sunday morning. I said, Jan, maybe you can't go today. She got in her very kind way right up in my face. And she said... I'm going to the house of the Lord today if you have to carry me. I'm not going to go by how I feel. I'm going by what I know. If you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you must stop now of taking any action because of how you feel. The Holy Spirit is not a matter of feeling. The Holy Spirit is a matter of truth and standing in that truth and not allowing yourself to be blown to the right or to the left, especially when a loving and kind husband or wife comes and says, there, there, why don't you just rest? Are you kidding No, I'm going to the house of the Lord. Carry me if you have to. That's what we're called to. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. That sounds a little bit like my dad saying, Raymond, I have to spank you so you'll remember not to do that. And it's really for your good. I never bought that. (laughs) But now I know it. I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world of guilt. That's what it says. Did you read that? When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. The purpose for the Holy Spirit's coming is to convict the ungodly of their sin. Now, it's interesting to me, he does not come in revival to convict God's people of their sin because he's not going to come until they're already convicted. Now, this is against everything that I believed. I believe that when the Holy Spirit power and revival came, that's when everybody got convicted in the church, and that's when we got revived, and that's when we're changed into righteous men and women. Not so. Revival does not come to a people who've not camped quite a while in the Reformation camp So, already we have to have dealt with all of our sin. That's why I'm saying to you today, please, I plead with you in the name of Jesus. Leave any questionable habit, cast aside every leaning to darkness. Anything of questionable nature, stop. Go to a social event. All Christians, see the wonderful spread of food. And there are the brownies and the cookies and the pie and the cake. And what do we say? How about if I have six or seven of those cookies and a couple brownies and I have to have some pie and I have to have some cake it's all there for me, so why don't I just gorge? And that's why John Wesley said, Look at that wonderful spread of food. This is an opportunity for self-denial. Do you understand? Righteousness is not some abstract concept. Righteousness is walking like Jesus walked. 1 John said, we have to walk like Jesus walked. So he's going to send his Holy Spirit to the world to convict of guilt in regard to sin. If you were to ask me to sum up, what is the overall topic of Scripture? Scripture. I'd have to give you a one-word answer. Sin. That's the topic of Scripture. Everywhere you turn in Scripture, it's dealing with the issue of sin. It's dealing with what caused the sin. It's dealing with the condition of sin. And it's dealing with the cure for sin. And it's talking about the price if you don't get rid of it if you continue to walk in it. That's the whole of Scripture. So Jesus means he saves his people from their sins. That's what the gospel is about. It's good news because it's deliverance from our sin. So now he's going to come, and he's going to, like a laser, cut through in regard to sin in three specific areas. And I want to share these with you, not just because we need to hear it, but because I want you to see how we then begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit regarding this work of the Holy Spirit with sin and conviction in the world. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. I have struggled with that passage of Scripture. I have wept over it. I have prayed over it. And I've said, Lord, I just don't get it. What's it mean? I'll tell you what I'm hearing. All sin rises out of unbelief. Eve did not believe God. She believed the devil. Adam did not believe God. He believed his wife. All through Scripture, the story of sin is the story of unbelief. All rebellion against God has its root in unbelief. I don't choose to believe what God has said to me. I choose not to believe it. That is the very essence of the rebellion we're struggling with. Check your own soul. If there's an area in your heart of rebellion against God, ask it some questions, and you'll discover the root of the thing that has to be cut off is unbelief. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. This is a much easier one. The Holy Spirit is coming to convict people of righteousness because they can no longer see Jesus. To see Jesus was to be convicted of unrighteousness. All you had to do was see the way he walked and the way he lived, and your sin was very apparent. And now he's saying, I want you to bear fruit and I want you to testify. In other words, I want people to look at you and immediately be convicted of their sin. I want you to dress. I want you to speak. I want you to act in a manner that convicts others of their sin. So that when they see you, they see the glory of God on your countenance. They see the glory of God in your actions. You're walking righteous before God. So the fruit you're bearing is a testimony to everyone around you. Now that will cause some persecution. And so someone says to you, hey, come on, let's go to the movies. Well, the only reason they would ask you to go to the movies is they're accustomed to you talking about the movies like you know about them. The only reason they ask you to go to that is because they think you'd be comfortable there. It's evident that they think you're like them. There has to be a clear understanding in the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves that the sweet presence of God is flowing from us, the compassionate love is flowing from our hearts in such a manner that another person who is guilty of sin would not dare suggest to us that we participate with them in darkness. They would be embarrassed to ask us. That requires a very radical kind of walking out of the gospel of Jesus Christ it requires a humbleness that's beyond humble a brokenness a lack of arrogance a lack of self sufficiency a lack of confidence a total absence of self esteem I saw something that was so striking to me this last week. Tears flowed from my face as I watched it. It was at the neighborhood 7-Eleven. I was just driving by in the car, and I watched it. I didn't hear a thing. I just watched it. Here were about 30, home, uh, 30 men without employment waiting for work. For work. And a truck driver drives his truck in, delivering to the 7-Eleven. They all asking, how many men can you have? How many men can you help? And he shook them all, waved them. No, 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 no. Went around and got his dolly out of his truck. And I watched as he swaggered with incredible arrogance. Because he was the man. He had the job. He was an American. And you could see the swagger and the smirk on his face as he looked at these low lives because they didn't have what he had. Broke my heart. I said, "Lord, take all the swagger out of my steps. Take it out of my soul." Let there be no falseness in my spirit. No no setting myself up as being better than or above. Let it be humble, self-effacing, considering the other better than myself. I pray that the Lord will move in our hearts this week so that we will consider others so much better than ourselves that we'll give them the service of love in every respect, lifting their burdens, encouraging their hearts, putting in the overtime for them, not for yourself. This is the gospel. This is why the Holy Spirit is coming to have men and women who testify by their lives of the righteousness of Jesus so that they will be convicted and fall on their faces and repent before God. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned, he's going to convict in regard to judgment because it's over. We're now watching the final scenes of earth's history. If the Lord were here now, he'd be saying, why are you going and trying to dig yourself a a beautiful grave and set up for yourself this and that? Why are you trying to save up all your retirement and and get all this stuff? He'd be saying, why are you doing that? I'm going to roll you in a ball and throw you into a foreign country where you're going to die. That's what he said about Shebna. In other words, now is not the time to build our own homes. Now is the time for the finishing of the work of the gospel in the world. Now is the time of judgment upon this world. We've been crying out, Lord, send judgment under repentance. The the jury is still not in on whether God is going to send judgment under repentance or judgment under damnation on America. But America as we know it is finished. It's over. If you've been watching the news at all, you know that the economy of America is collapsing And that the federal government is going to go bankrupt. That inflation is going to skyrocket. This nation is not going to survive the judgments of God. And in the midst of all of this, God wants a righteous people who will proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. It's time to prepare for it. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Judgment's beginning in lollipop churches all over this nation. The Holy Spirit is withdrawing. He's leaving houses of worship desolate before him. He's giving them over to the wickedness of their hearts. Judgment is here. So today as we come... Our hearts are hungry for the Holy Spirit. But let's not hunger after the Holy Spirit for some emotional reason. Let's not hunger after him because of the glory of God. Let's hunger after the Holy Spirit for the conviction of sin in the world. Let's hunger for the work of the gospel to be accomplished. Let's hunger for righteousness to rise up. Let's hunger for the lost and the dying to be saved, to be touched with glory. And let's prepare for that by laying aside every questionable habit. Let's prepare for that by absolutely confessing the name of Jesus. And only he be our source and our supply Only Jesus be the heartbeat of our soul. I'm troubled today because Jesus said, I have much more to say to you more than you can bear. I feel like that today. I feel like some of you can't bear anymore. We've made such alliances with darkness. We've made such close associations with wicked people. We've bound our hearts together so closely with those rooted in the world that that to have them cut off would feel like our very soul was being ripped from us. How could we possibly choose Jesus over everyone and over everything? And yet this is the issue before us. I mean, why did you come to the prayer chapel? There's really only, only one reason for you to come to this house. And that is to be, to be wi- willing or to be made willing to die out and to be filled with the Spirit of God, to live a godly life in Jesus, to be utterly consecrated to him. And some of you have guilty consciences today. You know this last week you walked in darkness, in rebellion, in doubt, in unbelief. You know this last week you walked arrogantly before God. You know he saw this. Some of you are withholding from the Lord Jesus, thinking that somehow you can withhold something for yourself like Ananias and Sapphira did. Coming and saying, I give myself to you, Jesus, but on the side, like Ananias and Sapphira, lying to the Holy Spirit and keeping your own lifestyle, keeping your secret sins, keeping your gluttony or keeping your your lust for pornography or, or keeping some lust for success and ambition, continuing to try to control somebody to be somebody because you're the man or the woman. We have to recognize these things, and and we can't come into church any longer and be invisible. It's an illusion. It's like when I had my little girls playing hide-and-go-seek with me, and my little Heidi would put her head under the table with her legs sticking out and think she was hidden from, from her daddy. (laughs) No, she wasn't hidden at all. Just her head was hidden. Do you think you're hidden from Jesus today? He sees you. He sees all of you. And that uncleanness has to be washed away by the blood. It has to be removed from your soul. The Holy Spirit is coming. We have to prepare for his coming. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Lord, prepare us for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Put such a hunger in our heart. Lord, put such a desire in our spirit. Humble us before you, Lord God of heaven. Let there be a total sanctification. Lord, let there be a total dying out to the world to the flesh and to the devil. Lord, let there be a rising up in our spirit that says, I am going to go through with Jesus. Even if the world disowns me, I will go through with Jesus. Lord, wash us today and make us clean. Prepare us for the coming of the Holy Spirit. I pray in your precious name, Jesus, by your blood. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.
0: Lord, we're praying for this city Looking down from the hill Praying for revival here Oh, let our hearts be filled For the people of this city, Lord United we will stand by your loving and grace and mercy, Holy Spirit. Fill this land, let revival come, let revival come, let revival come, let revival. Come. Let revival this city As summer turns to winter Every season brings a change Your eternal hope of life This revival song of heaven In the name of Jesus Christ Let revival come Let revival come, let revival come to this city.